What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. Uh, hope everybody had a good time in between shows. You guys are listening to episode 435. Uh, last week's episode was with the uh, amazing Dom Lombardozzi. Uh, thank you guys for the comments about that. I hope you uh, enjoyed that listen. And uh, if you did not listen or if you uh, did listen and enjoyed it, please share it with people. For you people that don't know, Dom Lombardozzi is an amazing actor who you might recognize from um, Entourage. Most recently, he played Fat Tony Salerno in The Irishman. He was uh, 15 years old when he was the gun salesman in A Bronx Tale. He's been in Power. He's been in um, Boardwalk Empire. And uh, he's also been in The Wire. You name it. He's in the new Judd Apatow movie. Um, That's actually where I met him on the set of uh, King of Staten Island. So uh, please check that out. Such a great guy. He did such... uh, It was such good just um, stories about how he, you know, had to audition in front of Robert De Niro and he had all these amazing scenes with Joe Pesci and just all the shows that he was on and the process of and getting them and, and how he prepares and, and uh, how he goes about his business even after he's done something. So uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. It's a TVE episode three, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 434. And uh, this is episode uh, 435. So a uh, ton of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about um, being in um, the best comedy club in the country. And um, it's actually not a joke. I, it's not just saying that. Um, I was, for the first time, I was at uh, Comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, Comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin is a very desired comedy club to be at. Uh, I hope the people there understand what they have because it is a very, very special place. What makes it special, you ask? Why is it the best? Well, here's why. It's the best because it is run incredibly well. The staff is incredibly tuned in to what's going on. It is a well-oiled machine. Um, It is packed out constantly. Okay, I think four out of my five shows sold out. I think we were about 25 tickets, 25, 30 tickets tops of having a perfect uh, a perfect weekend. Every, every seat with an ass on it, other than 30 the entire week. The room seats like 250 people. We did it five times. Like I said, four out of five sellouts and almost all five. And it was just unbelievable. They don't heckle in there. There are comedy fans in there. They're respectful. They're just into it. Um, And like I said, I mean, just run unbelievably well. And here's what the green room has. I put it on my Instagram, but if you missed it, I will tell you. The green room is gigantic. Gigantic. Bigger than 90% of apartments in Manhattan. It has a flat screen TV that's huge. It has video games. It has a pool table in it. It has a huge massage chair in it. It's got a giant, beautiful conference table in it. It has a little putting green area in it. Um, It has a table filled with just snacks, refrigerators stocked with anything. And I'm not just talking like shitty snacks, like Lay's potato chips and waters. This thing was stocked with juices, drinks, teas, sodas, bottles of water, um, coffee. They had a Keurig machine if you wanted coffee. I mean, just anything and everything. And then you go down in the elevator, you walk down, and you're on stage in front of a packed out 
sold out show with people raring to go. Uh, I cannot thank uh, Anna and Eve enough. Um, they were amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, Alec and Jesse, the guys that worked the sound and the cameras, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it was everything that I thought it would be and more. They got a cigar la lounge out there. We went to that a couple of times and just um, amazing. But I have a first here for you guys. I have a first for you on... Um, the Verzi effect. I've never had this experience in all the years I've been doing the show, in all the years I talked to you guys about where I was performing on the road and what was happening on the road. I never had this happen before. I never had an, a medical situation. And I guess I would have to say, probably, I would say a medical emergency. Okay. <laughs> so two days before I get out to Madison, you know, I'm going, wow, this is great. I'm not sick. My cold is gone. My voice is good. I'm feeling good. I'm rested. This is going to be great. I'm going to the best club in the country right now. You know, arguably top two or three in in the America, probably the world. I mean, that's how great this place is. And I'm, I'm good to go, like tip-top shape. You know, I'm feeling good and everything. And a night, the night before I went, I was eating something and a cold sensation hits my tooth and I get this little weird pain on my tooth. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. I was just at the dentist. They fixed some tooth that was all the way in the back. Why is the tooth next to it hurting? They already took x-rays. They would have saw something. Everything's fine on my teeth. So why did that hurt? So I ignore it. And I just, I'm like, ah, the night before, just in my head, I'm like, oh, imagine that was a problem. I hope that's not a problem. No, nah, it's not going to be a problem. I get to Madison and Thursday night, I start to feel the tooth kind of aching a little bit. So I go on stage and just, I took like an Advil and it's okay. And uh, after the show, we go out to get something to eat, get a cigar and my tooth starts to throb and starts to hurt and starts to hurt. Now it's really hurting and I'm like, oh man. So I go back, I take more ibuprofen and I'm in the room and now any kind of touch to the tooth is agony pain. So I start to feel a little better. It would go away, which was weird. Like after 10 minutes, it would just go away. And then I would be like, oh, maybe it's fine. I don't know what's going on. So I'm brushing that area. I'm flossing that area. And, um, and I'm going, what's going on? Like the tooth is clean. What's going on? So um, I tried to bite a peanut M&M and it went on that tooth and it was like in the cartoons when they just fly through the air in pain. I, it was like throbbing. So I calm it down. I'm laying in bed. I'm watching forensic files or whatever I'm watching. And I'm just chilling. It goes, it goes away. And I finally fall asleep. And I wake up Friday to a throbbing toothache. And this is bad. Because now I'm like, this is there's an infection. Something's going on wrong. I have two shows tonight and two shows tomorrow. I got four more packed shows. I'm, I'm paying camera people to film this. I'm getting a ton of footage. I'm getting a ton of stuff that we're going to be looking at. Jokes for the new special and everything. And I just have to... I got to be in this shit, man. I got to be in it. You know, I can't be worried about my tooth and this and that. So I wake up to pain at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to perform unless this tooth either gets pulled. Uh, hell, I'll do a fucking root canal today if I have to. If I have to do a root canal today, I'll do a root canal. Like, that's where it was. So, um, I, I start looking online. 
And I'm looking online for dentists and I'm like, I got to go to the dentist. And I was like, I got to get a root canal. And I'm like looking at the time and I'm like, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. If I could get in somewhere by 11, they do either a root canal or they do something and they numb it. By the time the numbing is done, it'll be, you know, I just needed to make sure that like by six o'clock, everything started to kind of go away this way for the eight o'clock show, I could be ready. The problem was I couldn't take pain meds because A, I don't want to take pain meds and B, I don't want to be loopy or tired or fucking dopey feeling. I don't want that. So I tell myself, I'm like, yo, I'll deal with pain. If I got to deal with pain, I'll deal with pain. But I just need to be like, I just need to be okay enough to where I could get through these shows without being distracted by pain where I could actually think of my shows and think of my jokes. So I, um, I call a dentist. I was like, do you guys take this medic, uh, this insurance? They were like, yes. But then they were like, we have nothing today. And finally I call up a place that was about 25 minutes away from my hotel. They were like, we'll see you. You know, I had to tell them and like, I mean, they were amazing. I I did have to say, listen, I'm a comedian. I'm in town. I'm at the club. Everybody there knows the club because it's like the best comedy club. So like, they were just like, okay, yeah, we'll try to get you in, you know, come in. So I go there. And they start taking these, um, they start taking these, these pictures of my mouth. They start talking to me. They're being super nice about everything. And, um, you know, the guy was like, look, I think this is the area problem here. You know, I, I don't know if there's an infection. It looks like something's there, but to get a really good thing of you on this thing, I want to send you to a specialist. What time is your first show? He's like, all right, I'm going to refer you to this thing. So he calls a specialist that needs to look like a root specialist. And I have the info of these people who are just incredible. Uh, and I have to shout them out. But um, the dentist, I forgot the dentist's name. I got it. They were amazing too. But what's the name of this? Um, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that after. So I go to this place and they were just like, unfortunately, we can't do same day procedures if you need something. Okay, but what we can do is we could figure out exactly where the problem is, what the problem is, and how to fix the problem or at least make this go away temporarily while you're here before you go to your dentist or whatever. So uh, they have this like panoramic 3D image. And this is how nice these people were. They got me in and then they go, listen, it's a $90 procedure. And I didn't care. I would have paid whatever the fuck I would have had to pay to make my, you know, make me feel better. I would have done it, especially with the shows. But they go, it's a ninety dollar, three D image that you just bite down. It goes around, and we're really gonna find out. And then she was like, Ah, we know you're from out of town. And by the way, this is like the nicest office I have ever seen. I'm not even joking. It was the nicest dentist office. And then this was what the endodontics, whatever, the, whatever it was, um, uh, the specialist, the best office ever. And they were like, hey, you're from out of town. We're going to waive the $90. We want to get you back on your feet and all this stuff. Couldn't have been nicer. Showed me the area. Showed that I had a little infection under a tooth. Um, gave me antibiotics and knew that they were like, we could give you some pain meds. And I'm like, nah. They're like, all right, so we're going to give you like these 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. And if you take that and a Tylenol extra strength, it works. That We think even better than opioids. It's like the best. There's going to be no pain and you're not going to be loopy. I didn't even need to take a Tylenol. I just took this mega dose of ibuprofen. Um, I started the antibiotics that day. That night, very slight discomfort, but it went from like a 10 throbbing pain to like a three. And then the next day, Saturday, I woke up perfect. 
They gave me images on a disc of everything to give to my dentist here in New York. They wrote everything down. They couldn't have been nicer. They fixed me. They made the pain go away. So it is called, they're called Capital, what are they called? I'm going to find out the exact name right now. Yes, it is called Capital Endodontics in Madison, Wisconsin, or right outside of Madison, Wisconsin. Just looked that name up, and uh, they saved me, man. They saved me. They couldn't have been nicer. They gave me the medication. Then I had an Uber driver drop me off to Walgreens to get my antibiotic prescription, and he decides, you know what, dude? I want to come to the show tonight. I'm not going to charge you. So I'll drive you back to your hotel. Waited at Walgreens for me to get my antibiotics and drove me there. These people could not have been nicer. And this is why I want to shoot my special in Wisconsin. So to the dentist who sent me there and to um, the, the specialist who waved $90 off, took me out of my pain, which uh, could have gotten real ugly really, really fast. That is the acceptable of the week. There is no unacceptable. That is the acceptable of the week. Um, I've had nothing but amazing experiences in Wisconsin every single time I was there. Every single time. And um, the, the stand-up was no exception and neither was anything else. Here's another thing I did in Madison, Wisconsin. I walked on a frozen lake. And I don't mean like, oh, Paul, come on. Everybody's done that in New York. Everybody's been on a frozen lake or a pond or a little stream. No, no, no. This shit was a gigantic lake. Okay? Like, as far as you could see, water, lake, frozen. To where people were ice skating, ice fishing. There were people flying kites. There was a kite shop on the ice. There were four-wheelers on the ice. But I'm talking as far as you could see. It just, it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was one of the whitest things I did. Like, this was some white people shit. Like, you know when you hear, like, <laughs> like I always got mad when, like, black people would be like, oh, that's some white people shit. I'd be like, no, it's not. That's just people shit and people doing something. No, no, no. This was some white. We looked up. I was with Chris Scopo. Shout out to Chris Scopo. He opened up. Uh, he featured uh, during the, the for the weekend. And we were walking on this ice, and we looked up. And I was like, oh, that's a kite. Looks like He's like, that looks like somebody's on it. People skydived. People jumped out of an airplane. It was probably negative 10 degrees up there. They jumped out and these parachute, uh, parachutes just start coming in, landing on ice. I didn't know if they had ice skates on when they landed. They just started landing on the ice. It was unbelievable. People had like boots with spikes on them so they could walk. There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on this lake. And I'm looking down. I'm like, how thick is this? Like, are we going to fall in? I'm not used to that. Like, I'm used to, like, knowing that a pond is frozen over a ton and I still wouldn't go on it. I had friends that would put four-wheelers on, on lakes and shit. And I was just like, and I never liked it. But I saw this thing looked like an ocean that was frozen and everybody just out there. Unreal. Unreal. Really amazing. Super white. People were playing hockey. Um... It was just, it was just amazing. So if you're ever in Wisconsin and I, the Capitol is Madison, the Capitol building looks like a Capitol building in Washington, D.C. It's beautiful. You can look at pictures, but go to Comedy on State, support those people and uh, check out that city. It was really, really fantastic. And uh, if you have a toothache, you're in the right city because they will, they will fix you up ship shape. And you will be completely, completely fine. It was, um, 
an experience that I'm never, I'm not gonna forget. And you guys are gonna be seeing some footage of it very, very soon because we got all the sets. It's gonna be a lot of fun, um, and I'm gonna go do the special there. So, you know. And another thing I want to shout out, I want to shout out my son's orthodontist, um, Brigham and Barr in Somers, New York, who are now setting my son up for his braces. And, uh, you know, they, they had to put this thing in his mouth, spacer, fix, do, do some shit with his jaw. I don't know. I know I sound like an idiot parent who's gone, going through this for the first time, which it is my first time. But the way they were, and I mean, it's another thing. It's insane. They have an arcade in the waiting room. They have Xbox games. Then they have racing games like you're a Dave and Buster's in there. They have all sorts of games and books, a gigantic waiting room. They're super cool. They're super nice and friendly. It's like if you're ever going to do anything with your teeth, you got to go to these places. I mean, they're like people are stepping up their game when it comes to teeth. Okay, and I hate to say that I sound like some old, I hate to be like that guy going like in my day. But, I mean, I had shitty dentists. I'm not going to lie. I had shitty dentists. I had a guy hitting on the fucking assistant while they were doing it. The guy's going, oh, man, if my wife ever knew. I'd never forget this. I think I mentioned this once on the show before. I'm literally laying there, mouth open, drooling, cotton balls in my mouth, whatever the fuck they did. And I'm just laying there with my mouth open. And I literally remember hearing this guy, married man, dentist, look over at like the assistant who was sucking the saliva out of my mouth with that little hose thing that they do. And she must have been in her mid to late 20s, maybe early 30s. And he's like, oh man, if I ever did something like that, my wife would crazy glue my dick shut. And then they start laughing together. And I'm just there with my mouth open, like drooling. And in my mind, I'm going, what the fuck is... And I'm just, you know, crazy. I remember one time I was drooling a ton and this guy's like, oh, wow, he's not helping us at all. Like, and I was a little kid. I had shitty dentists. And then I got older, it got a little better. But it's just been, and I see my kids going, and now it's like, you know, it's much better, I think. Unless I'm just a, I was just a bitch. Maybe that's the case, too. But um, things, are, things are going good with, uh, with that stuff today as far as what I'm seeing. Um, so I know you guys wrote some stuff in. So let's talk, let's see what you guys... Did. I did not read anything last week with Dom on the show, so I will see. Um, I will see what what you guys wrote in uh, this week. And this is from Ryan. Okay, and here's what Ryan says. Um, this is about Ari Shafir. I didn't get to address this on my show. I talked about it a little on Andrew Schultz, but people want to know what I have to say about it. So here we go. Uh, my unacceptable for the week is the backlash that Ari. Shafir is getting from his Kobe Bryant comments. I've heard many stories from comedians regarding when is it too soon to make a joke about a tragedy, including stories of established comedians making 9-11 jokes only days after the attacks. Others joked about school shootings shortly after they happened. Those jokes probably attempted to bring levity and some much-needed humor into an unthinkable uh, catastrophe um, and from what I've heard, they did get laughs. Ari's situation is a little different because what he said wasn't really a joke in my opinion. It was all about some shock value of his statement. It's a little frustrating to see all the outrage because these people that are now taking uh, work away from Ari do not know Kobe personally. They are simply finding another place to vent their fake anger. I'm not saying people shouldn't be upset when a tragedy like this happens, but don't pretend to be truly hurt when someone says uh, something about somebody, uh, someone else 
who you don't, uh, who you do not know. They are not part of your life, and it's nowhere near the pain of actual losing a loved one. To me, it's just another way of saying I'm such a better human being than you are. It's fake outrage and cancel culture at its finest. Kobe's family and friends are the ones dealing with the real tragedy, and they are too busy grieving um, to worry about a com- uh, what a comedian has to say. Ari knew he would probably lose some followers or fans with that kind of statement. I'm sure he's prepared. he was prepared for that. But to have people sending threats to his New York comedy clubs to the point where they are canceling his shows all over a harmless tweet uh, is a sad state of affairs. There is absolutely nothing that any comedian could say that would make me want to call up a comedy club and demand that they cancel somebody's show. Um, if you don't like them, don't go to their show. Problem solved. These are people who have something missing in their lives and need to feel important uh, or have some sense of purpose. Nobody's getting angry at South Park and Family Guy when they make terrible offensive jokes. They are applauded and get incredible ratings. I'm sure Ari will be fine because his fans understand what kind of comic he is. Would love to hear your take if you haven't already spoken about it. Uh, before reading this. Thanks, Ryan. Um, sorry, I was just sipping my my Diet Coke. Um, let me just say this for all of my listeners because I talked about it on Andrew Schultz real quick. This will be the last thing I say about this um, and, and, I will, and I will leave it at that. Ari Shafir is a friend of mine. Ari Shafir is somebody that is friends with all the comedians in New York City because I could tell you firsthand that Ari Shafir is not a bad person. Okay, he's he's not a bad person. Um, do I think Ari made a mistake here? Yeah, you know I think that everybody's entitled to a mistake. But I can tell you this: uh, there's a few things that I learned about this before I really dove in and just made my made my um, opinion. Ari Shafir has an ongoing joke where when somebody dies, he's like the first immediately to say something crazy and outrageous like this. And I think since it was Kobe, and I think his 13-year-old daughter, Rest Their Souls, was on there, which I don't know if he knew at the time. I just think that, and there wasn't much of a joke. It was kind of just a shock value thing. I think that everybody's entitled to make that mistake. And everybody's entitled to say something and, and maybe jump the gun. And maybe he was doing that with his thing. And and um, and I do understand the outrage. I do understand people being upset about that. I think Kobe was a huge, you know, messed me up for a while. I was a big Kobe fan. And it was unbelievable when I found out what happened to him. It still is, you know, he was one of those guys bigger than basketball, and I'm a sports fan, and then the fact that his little girl was there with him, it's a really tough thing, and um, I think people are entitled to, to, to make mistakes, And um, but I can tell you guys this, and this is one story that I, I wanted to tell, and I don't know if many people did, did tell this, so I, I, will, I will address this. First of all, Ari Shafir has been around, Ari Shafir has gone out of his way gone out of his way to be a nice to, to be nice to to myself and other people I, I've seen that but when David Kimowitz was 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 murdered and taken senselessly taken from us for you people that don't know David Kimowitz was uh, a comedy manager part owner of the stand in New York and David was senselessly murdered last uh, summer and it was very very tough for many of us and I remember being at that funeral which was one of the most packed out funerals. It was one of the saddest things. It was just surreal and somber. And then we went to the cemetery, okay? And um, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but just burying David, which was so surreal. 
and I saw Ari. And one thing that sticks out for me, one thing that sticks out for me of that funeral and of that whole thing was I looked over and Ari was in this suit and he was standing by David's grave and he was just looking off and he was just shaking his head in sadness and disbelief. And I remember watching him and it was one of the things that really, really stuck out with me uh, about this funeral. And, and there were a couple things, a couple of really disturbing sights that I saw, a couple of just gut-wrenching, awful things that I saw. But the one thing that, that I remember was like that made so much sense was Ari just shaking his head. Think, and it was just like, it's senseless. It's, I can't believe he's gone. This is horrible. His family's here. And that, and that was what, what I got. So look, uh, I, I understand everybody, you know, that, that is upset. I understand that people make mistakes, but I also understand that I, I understand that the person that that dude is. And, um, so I, I'll just leave it at that. I, all I could say is I, I wish the best for everybody in this situation. I wish the best for, for, for Ari. I wish the, you know, I just hope that, um, everybody learns from it and, and that's it. But what, what, what I could say is that, um, you know, some things just, uh, some things are just shitty situations and this was one of them. So I will just leave it at that. But thank you for the, um, for the submission. Um, all right. So let's move on to the next one. And, uh, the next one is, um, Henry, Henry, uh, best movie heroes. And Henry says, uh, Hey Paul, I got a great movie hero and villain. My hero is Jake Hoyt on Training Day, played by Ethan Hawke. It was great to see how this guy kept going and ultimately got respect of the hood. My villain, uh, once controlled, my villain, Alonzo Harris, on Training Day, played by Denzel Washington. This guy was crazy. It was amazing how corrupt this guy was. Yes, it was, and he won the Academy Award for that. Um, and I would say, yeah, I mean, at first I was like, is Ethan Hawke really was a hero? But I guess in that movie he was. And he took down this corrupt guy who was ultimately stealing from people and going to kill him and doing wrong by people. And he ultimately did that. So that's definitely a good one. Um, look, my older brother talks about Training Day all the time, how it's one of his favorite movies. And just the transformation of how the beginning of the movie to the end and how crazy and out of control it got. Uh, really, really good. So that's a great one. And uh, thank you for the submission. Okay, the next one here is from... Let's see here. This one is from Bingo. And uh, Bingo writes cheap fucks. So here we go. Bingo says, uh, let me make sure I got the, yeah, okay. He goes, uh, hey, Paul, listen to one of your earlier podcasts about a day when you and your mom had a stall out on the street selling stuff you wanted rid of. Okay, I remember that. So what he's talking about, and thank you so much for going back and listening to this, I'm, because that was like one of the highlighted ones. And when we put these clips up on YouTube of like the best moments, I'm glad you remember. If you actually, to be honest with you, um, Bingo, can you just, because I would love to know, can you just, instead of having me dig through all of this stuff, can you just tell me what episode that was? And uh, I'm going to get my um, producer, because now I have one to uh, put that up on the YouTube channel because we're going to have some highlighted moments of the Verzi effect on the YouTube page. But what he's talking about was I just went off on how unbelievable these people were, how these people just come out of the woodwork 
and are cheap and they know when you put a tag sale sign up and they're just walking around and uh, he writes uh, quickly uh, let's let's be reasonable hilarious there is no such thing as reasonable when the vultures sniff the scent of blood they will haggle you down to the nub and ask uh, for thanks I've been there uh, if it's any consolation, people are the same all over the world. I was living in New Zealand and one time decided at one time decided to move to the UK. So I had a yard sale uh, to get some money for my overseas trip. I was selling uh, pretty much all my belongings. This sort of event attracts the tire kickers, blood suckers, and the people who don't have anything better to do with their time. I was financially raped by these people <laughs> because I wanted uh, to go quickly. I was virtually giving primo stuff away at rock bottom prices and were they happy? No, they were not. They would haggle me down until I was exhausted with their bullshit and just wanted them to go away. One more dollar, one more cent. The stuff I let go, it burns me up to this day. I had primo scuba diving equipment, which I let go at next to nothing. Top quality uh, slap uh, beds. Um, mattresses, stereos, TVs, you name it, my car. I had one dude jumping up and down on the axis, axles um, to see if it was okay. Took it for a test drive and claimed it was leaking oil. They came in like a uh, horde of uh, locusts and devoured everything. I was left with next to nothing compared to what I paid for it. You live and learn. Keep up the good work, Poe. Bingo, thank you for going back to that episode, like I said. And yes, I remember... And it does not matter the neighborhood. It does not matter if it's middle class, upper class, amazing schools. Everybody's got beautiful cars. Everybody's got money. Amazing town, city. It does not matter. There is something about when you take the hammer and you knock that sign into the ground that says yard sale or tag sale. Something comes out of these people. They just start walking up like zombies. They'll they'll haggle. This one lady, I was like, oh, those books are like 50 cents, but the one written by that famous guy, those are like another quarter. It's, well, those should be less. He's so bad. at it. it was just one guy just walked around the whole day. One guy just walked around the whole day looking at stuff. These people live, live for this shit, and I just don't understand it. They're cheap. They want, I mean, I. the only reason why we did it, it was just because like my mom had all this stuff. She was moving. She was like, let's get rid of this. Let's let's give, you know, it's some good stuff. My mom, uh, my mother's into antiques and shit. So there was just definitely some stuff. I got rid of like old, old like CDs and music I had, you know, for cheap, you know, just giving it away. And these people were the lowest, most disgusting people ever. Like to, to be like, yeah, that's a dollar. Can you do it for 50 cents? Like, think about that for a second. It's like, I'm giving you a great book for a dollar. Can you do it for a quarter? The guy at the yard sale down the road would have done it for a quarter. It's like, I, and what do you do? You know, it's it, it, it was brutal, but um, I'm glad you listened to that, and I appreciate it. Let's go to the next one. We got some time here. Let's see what we got next. We'll do one more. Yeah, we'll do one more here. Max. Max, spirit unacceptable. Okay see what this is about. Paul, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a long one, but I got to tell you, I'm hot about this. First off, you might as well just give me the unacceptable for booking a flight on Spirit, which is basically the equivalent of the MTA bus hurling through the sky 
at uh, 900 miles an hour. I'm laughing because it's just funny the way you said that. And planes don't go that fast. They go about five or six, but that just made it funnier. Um, nonetheless, this is my story. My wife and I board our 5.15 a.m. flight from Chicago to Aruba. And right from the jump, this kid sitting directly behind my wife, no more than six or seven years old, is on another level. I mean, I've never witnessed a more misbehaved child in my life. It starts with the seatbelt. Like a psychopath, he's flicking the latch like he's clinking change uh, in his pocket. And because it's spirit, they have the shitty, um, flimsy metal fold-down half trays. He starts uh, (laughs) flicking that thing up and down. Uh, Meanwhile, my wife and I are looking around like, is anyone with this kid? Like, what the hell is going on? He's got his slightly older sister policing him because she sees my wife is trying to get some sleep and is annoyed. For what it's worth, it didn't work. Get this, Paul. The dad, one seat away, not once did he speak up the entire flight. See, now you're getting me angry. See, now I'm reading this and I'm getting angry because I just picture my wife or me, our kids doing that. Our kids wouldn't do that. But the level of just what would happen to them screaming, taking their shit away. The fact that this guy's doing nothing is already getting me hot, and I'm only halfway through this. Now, once did he speak up the entire flight? As soon as we were wheels up, the kid is asking for iPad, iPad, iPad. Give me the iPad. I want the iPad. I was about to turn around and give give him my iPad just to shut him the fuck up. Uh, For three hours, this continued relentlessly. He might have been quiet for a total of 25 minutes. Finally, to bring it all full circle, he closes uh, uh, his seat with the latch again. And, uh, And best of all, he heckles himself as if to mock his sister and everyone else around him uh, who were annoyed. And in the sarcastic, smart-ass voice, he goes, Stop it! Uh, while he goes to town on the belt latch. Just like a drummer finishes a monster set as the plane is landing, he got all he got him all going. The latch, the tray, the window shade, it was unreal. I couldn't help but laugh at the situation and his dad sits calmly one seat away. Paul, I swear I've gotten some sort of PTSD after this. A couple of passengers accidentally bumped their trays as they were climbing out of their rows and I was literally flinching at the sound of those goddamn things uh fuck max dude i i don't know what's worse what the kid was doing or the parent not doing anything i would say the latter just because the parent in that situation has to take that kid by his you know by his face or do something or just grab the kid or do something it's just and and imagine what the kid does at home Because if the kid is doing that with strangers and all that, imagine what the kid is doing at home. Okay, so the way I look at it, man, it's just on the parents. It sucks. Um, Spirit Airline is brutal. I hope your trip with your wife in Aruba was better. Wouldn't it be funny if that kid and his family were next to your, like they were the room in the hotel room next to yours? And you just heard like drawers opening up, you know, popping back and forth. You're just like, he drew on your door with like crayons. Uh, what was that movie? Raising Arizona. Um, but yeah, dude, that sucks. Sorry about that. And definitely unacceptable. That made me feel like how when, when somebody was bumping my seat during Uncut Gems and I lost my mind.
because uh, I couldn't handle that. Um, anyway, anyway, here we go. Um, all right, the next one is a question, so it's not for the show. So I'll leave it at that. What are we doing here? We're at uh, 35 minutes. Here's something that bothers me. All right. I just want to say this, and I and I mean this, and I've meant this for a long time, and I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast. So, if I, no, there's no way I did. But I just want to say this from the bottom of my heart. Fuck Bobby Knight, okay? Fuck Coach Bobby Knight. He, everybody's, this guy went back to Indiana, and it was emotional. You know what? You threw chairs on the court. You grabbed the kid by his fucking throat. You grab the child by his throat, okay? It's not all, oh, it's not hardcore discipline coaching. It's you have you being a mentally fucking disturbed asshole. That's what you are. You're a mentally disturbed asshole. When I die, they should bury me upside down so you all could kiss my ass. Really, Bobby? Is that what a fucking adult says? Okay? Put your hands on my son and see what I, I t- I'm not even trying to be tough right now. I'm, guys, I'm not even trying to be tough right now. If my son was playing for a university and Coach Bobby Knight or any coach for that matter put his hands around my son's throat, I would jump into the stance and I would beat that motherfucker right then and there until I was thrown in jail for at least a year. I would unmercifully beat him hard. And I'm not saying that to be tough. I'm not saying that to be funny. It's just what it is. You put your hands on my kid, I will fucking destroy you, period, right then and there. Okay, not trying to be a tough guy, not trying to be nuts, not trying to, you know, not shock value. You just don't do that. You don't put your hands on another kid. Okay, then Dick Vitale is all emotional and tries hugging him and he pushes him away real quick. And Dick Vitale has class and he made it look like a joke, but it was actually weird. He like pushed him away and it was like low class as to say, don't get emotional with me. Bobby Knight is a lunatic. He's an asshole. He's assaulted children. And I say, fuck that guy. Period. There's nothing else to say. Oh, Coach Greg Popovich is a disciplinary coach, right? He's a guy that'll get in his coach's face. You know what he doesn't do? You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't put his hands on anybody. You know what he does? He goes, hey, man, go sit on the bench. You're out of the game. You're playing like horse shit tonight. You know what? Come back stronger next time. That's what a coach does. You don't put your hands on a kid. Period. Okay? So, once again, it's, it's, it's just a nice thing to say. It's something that needs to be said. Fuck Bobby Knight. All right? And by the way, a little overrated. We win one, one title. When, when did Bobby Knight win? Let's look at Bobby Knight's. Uh, and I don't care if anybody hears this. And knows, I don't care. The guy sucks. I honestly, I don't care if somebody knows him and listens to my podcast. I would say that to him. I'd be like, you know something, dude. You put your hands on a kid's throat. You're throwing chairs. You're screaming. You act like a lunatic. Dick Vitale tries to give you a hug and you embarrass him the way you do classless like that. What's Bobby Knight's record? Let's look at it. Okay. Let's see here what Bobby Knight's done. Bobby Knight's... Yeah, it was an emotional night. Shut up. Let's see how many titles Bobby Bobby Knight won. Okay. Well, look at all his wins. Yeah, we coached until he was 90. All right, let's see what, let's see what titles he's won. Uh, he also coached... Okay, no, let's see the titles. Where are the titles here? One title, 1980? Is that what it is? Um, let's see how many titles he's got. Yeah, he, he's been known for his outrage, his, his crazy demeanor, all this stuff. Uh, championships. As a coach, Division One tournament. Or what's he got, three? 
He's been Division One tournament. We're the champion. Okay, yeah, he won. What, what? As a player, he was a national champion as a player. And as a head coach, he won the tournament in, he won it three times. Okay. So he won it in 76, 81, and 87. Okay, he went to five Final Fours. But think about that. He's been coaching since the 70s, and he stopped in the 2000s. Okay, and he's won three, and he's grabbing kids by the throat. Okay, what does Mike Shashevsky do? Does he do that? No. So I don't want to hear that whole, oh, you know, he's nicknamed the general. Shut up. Fuck that guy. That's all I want to say. You don't put your hands on kids, and you don't threaten kids, you don't intimidate kids, and you don't bully kids. And that's what he did. And I don't. I, that's something that I just cannot stand for. One guy wrote to me, whatever, Paul, he's, uh, you know, in this day and age, kids are soft. It's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Kids are soft and you need, you don't put your hands on a kid. You just don't. How about this? You put my hand, you put your hands on a kid. Then after practice, I get to do exactly what you did to my son. I get to do to you in front of all the people that you did it to him with. Okay. So you're going to put his hands on the door. I'll choke you out in front of everybody then. We'll do it like that. I didn't even intend to talk about this, but just watching the celebration and him crying. Watch what he did to Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale tries to, and you guys, if you don't know, Dick Vitale is the, if you're not into sports, Dick Vitale is the, you know, he's the big NCAA, you know, men's basketball announcer. You know, it's awesome, baby. It's unbelievable. That's Dick Vitale. And he's been in the, I know it's a good Dick Vitale impression, by the way. It's awesome. That guy. And I guess he knew him and he was getting emotional because he was at Indiana when he came back and he went to hug him. And watch what Bobby Knight did, how uncomfortable he makes it. It's like the guy's a lunatic. The guy's a psychopath and he's just not a nice person. You know, put your hands on on my kid. Anyway, let's go back to being nice. Um, <laughs> that just drove me nuts. It just absolutely drove me nuts. Um, but moving on to something funny, and this is funny. This is funny because it was, I would say, this happened yesterday. I would say that this was in the top 15 laughs I've ever had in my life. Okay, now think about that for a second. Top 15 hard laughs I've ever had in my life, and it could be in the top 10. I just couldn't remember. I was laughing so hard that tears were coming down my eyes while I was driving. I'll tell you what happened. So, a dear friend of mine, you guys know Comedian Giannis Papas. Check him out, support him. His uh, special, Blow in the Light, is streaming on YouTube right now. Uh, his uh, very, very popular podcast uh, with Krista Stefano, History Hyenas, which is blowing up right now. Check that out. I believe on March 19th, I got a show that sold out at the Gramercy Theater, and then I got another one they added. Check those guys out. They're good friends of mine. Giannis has a new home, and he wanted me, he asked me, I came, I said, I'll help you paint this room. But we needed to put primer on. You guys know it. You guys know if you paint, you got to put primer on the first coat, right? You put primer on, and you know, and it was like a the the people he bought it from the house from this room was like in a sunroom or whatever, and it was like a very light green. So we put this white primer on it before we paint, and we run out of paint, and we're acting kind of tired. Now the room is tiny. It took us thirty five minutes. And Giannis, out of nowhere, he just goes, yeah, let's go get lunch, man. I'm tired of this blue-collar manual labor. Now, while we were doing that, he had two guys redo three of his closets in an hour. 
So in the time that we bought the primer and did three walls or two and a half walls, these two guys come in and remodel three closets. And he's going, yeah, I'm tired of this blue collar manual labor. We did nothing. We literally didn't break a sweat. We were, I was crying left. I go, manual labor. Then at one point, Giannis goes, yeah, you know what? Let's just leave the radiators green for now because we're putting in new floors anyway, which made absolutely no sense. <laughs> it was just a way to reason to not do it. So we're eating lunch. We did nothing, got nothing accomplished. We didn't work We didn't work that hard. We didn't do the radiators. And he's just going, and, and these guys worked so hard. And we are crying. I mean, when I tell you we did nothing, and not only did we do nothing, but like we painted it like half-assed. I mean, it looked like two fucking chimpanzees were just given a fucking brush and a paint thing. And, and they tried to smooth it over. It was the most ridiculous. It was was the most ridiculous thing. And he called it manual labor. I mean, if real construction people or painters would have heard us, they would have thrown themselves on the ground laughing. It was both the most hilarious, pathetic, and delusional thing. And we were just crying. And as we're thinking of the guys that redid the closets while we were there, as we were thinking about how small the room is and how little progress we got and then how he wanted to quit and go to lunch and he was like making excuses saying don't paint that because we're putting a new floor in, which means if you're putting a new floor in, you should paint that just to get out of it and make excuses. We're driving and the laughter starts to build and build and now we're both crying and I'm in the right lane and I'm going, you said, you said, you said manual labor. We didn't even have to get on a ladder and we're crying, right? And I'm going, you said don't paint the radiator and I'm going, but the radiator should be painted if you're getting a new floor and then he's rolling and now I'm rolling and I'm in the right lane and now tears are falling down my eyes. Okay, just because everything hits me. You know when you get a laugh, but everything hits? Like I'm thinking about him saying manual labor and blue collar. I'm thinking of how small the room was. I'm thinking that we didn't even finish three walls in a tiny room. I'm thinking that those two guys rebuilt three closets and organized this stuff in the amount of time that we were there. I'm thinking that we didn't have to do any heavy lifting. All of these things, I'm thinking that he said don't do the radiator because of the floor, which is opposite and made no sense. And it all hit me. And it turned into where I was, I was actually, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard and he's crying, laughing. And I'm about to swerve in the left lane with a car coming because tears are rolling down my eyes. And, um, and it was just such an amazing, amazing laugh. And it's one of those laughs because everybody in this life could remember that, that laugh you had, right? Everybody throughout the course of your life. I remember one I had with this comedian from Long Island, this comedian, Paul Bond in, in Long Island. We were in San Antonio and I had a laugh with him. I remember a laugh when Giannis, we were smoking a cigar and he was talking me into getting a colonoscopy earlier than you have to. And I remember that laugh. I remember there's there's a handful of laughs. I remember a laugh with my brother, um, you know, about our parents. There are certain laughs that you just remember. And this was hands down 1000% absolutely one of those laughs. Um, and then later we actually got our shit together, got paint we finished the primer and then we ended up painting the room. And then uh, today I called him and he goes, yeah, he goes, it looks good. He goes, it looks like it was done by people who weren't professionals, but <laughs> but it looks good. Um, guys, I'm going to announce the next live podcast, which will be at Gotham Comedy Club in March. I'm going to announce that. We're going to do one a month um, in the city live. So um, I hope you guys come out to that. I'll let you guys know next week where... Uh, 
I mean, when that will be and who the guest will be. Um, thank you guys uh, so much for listening to this and uh, definitely check out Comedy on State in Madison. Uh, well, where are you performing next, Paul? Great question. Here's where I'm going to be performing next, and I hope you all come out. Uh, it looks like it's going to be the biggest turnout that I ever had at Levity Live. Levity Live is in West Nyack, New York, on the very, very top floor of the Palisades Mall. It's a beautiful room, about a 300-seater. Please come out. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be March uh, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's March 5 through 8, West Nyack, New York, Levity Live Comedy Club in the Palisades Mall. Uh, yeah, I know Dick's, it's in a mall, but trust me, when you get in there, you're going to be like, this is one of the nicest, it's beautiful, beautiful club, and uh, I will be there then, and then after that, I will be 26, 27, 28, I will be at Magoobies, this is March as well, Magoobies in uh, Baltimore, basically, um, it's a town right outside of Baltimore, but it's Baltimore, so you can check out Magoobies Joke House, March 25th, 20, uh, or March 26, 27, 28th, but uh, Levity Live, guys, in three weeks. March 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. That is Thursday through Sunday. Tickets are already going right now. Uh, Saturday shows are filling up really good. Friday, too. Get those tickets. It's going to be a great show. I'm doing the best material I've ever been doing. I'm doing the best hour I've ever done. I'm super, super excited about it. And um, I hope you guys come out. And if you did see me at Gotham last September or you did see my last special even from September at Gotham, I'm doing a bunch of jokes that you have not heard, and uh, it's all all new from the special that came out last year. It's all new material, so come out and check that out. Thank you guys uh, so much for listening to the podcast. Um, movies? Did I see any movies? No, I just been watching um, Forensic Files, and um, that's pretty much it. I'm getting psyched for the Forensic Files uh, season two coming out on uh, HLN on February 23rd. I don't know why I sit there and watch these horrible fucking things that happen to people, but it's just, you know, I don't know. That's what I was watching. So I don't have anything else for you. Um, and sports, what could I say? It's NBA All-Star Weekend, which nobody gives a shit about. Um, you know, baseball's dead for a while. Football's over. It's a tough time. Sorry, soccer fans. I'm not into it. Sorry, hockey fans. I'm not into it. Uh, this has been TVE episode 435. I'm Paul Verzi. I'm out of here. Take care, and I will talk to you guys soon. By the way, guys, I did shut down the Patreon until... Um, until further notice. So if you're on there, please do not pay it. I, I mentioned that a while ago. Um, I'm not doing that Patreon anymore. We're going to revamp it. And uh, talk to you guys soon. Take care.